Alright guys, hello and welcome to the State of Sport Fishing presented by Billfish Group. My name is Chase Nieder. We're joined by Leo Skipjack. He's finally back. And special guest Cody Gray. He's fishing the Gulf Coast for the most part on a boat called the ENA. Cody, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you say hello and introduce yourself. So go ahead. Yeah, hey, uh, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, I guess you'll have me on just to talk about some different content. We do things quite a bit different over here in the Gulf. Um, I am on a boat called the ENA now. That boat's probably not going to fish the Gulf. Um, it's a new owner for me. He was really into it back in the 90s, uh, traveled all over the place. Uh, Jimmy Grant was actually one of his captains, one of the guys I just had on here. But uh, he, had, he had just bought uh, Nick Smith's old boat, a uh, game fisherman, uh, Chip Schaefer, and then we've been running forever. They uh, took it to Bayless and poured a lot of money into it. Uh, boats caught a lot of fish, but uh, kind of switching gears for me, I usually fish the Gulf every year. Uh, it's usually three-day rig fishing is what I do 90% of the time. And I get to switch it up and do a little bit more light tackle and travel and do some different stuff. I'm looking forward to it. That's live, live baiting too, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, in the Gulf, almost everything we did was live baiting. There's some good trolling too. I really want to get into that because I've never gotten to do the like live baiting 40-pound tunas for blue marlins and shit like that, so I really want to hear about it. Neither have I. So kind of, Cody, give, give us a little bit of a kind of a rundown, um, fishing in the Gulf for beginners, kind of how that works, how you got into fishing. And I know there's like a lot of tournaments going on over there. You have the Mississippi Gulf Coast. I'll let you go more into it. But if you can give us like, kind of like a summary on how you grew up and how that scene works and looks like, that would be great. Yeah, I, uh, I was obsessed with fishing growing up. I always did, did everything I could to get my foot in the door. I started out just washing boats, and I was washing boats for a, my uncle, Mark McGuirk, and a guy, Paul L. see me washing boats and uh, asked me to start washing their boats for a, a light tackle charter company he had. Kind of took me under his wing, and I worked for him for a few seasons. A uh, really fishy guy. Taught me a lot. He's the kind of guy that stuff just happens around him. Uh, and then since then, I've uh, hopped on a couple bigger charter boats, uh, the Gulf Ranger. I had a, a uncle of mine, Mark McGuirk, who's kind of one of the guys that pioneered the way for live baiting. Uh, got to fish with him, and uh, just a bunch of charter boats, a bunch of private boats, just anytime I can, I'm fishing. I've had a, only a couple other real jobs, running crew boats out of Louisiana, little inland crew boats, and uh, I, I couldn't stand that. I couldn't really... I love inshore fishing and everything, but always seeing these sport fishers uh, around Noriega Point and Destin with all their, their gold reels out, it was going marlin fishing. That was really pulling at my, my heartstrings. So I uh, was never really too satisfied until I made it to that. But uh, everything we do in Destin is pretty much around live bait, um, inshore fishing, charter fishing, uh, bottom fishing, everything. It's really tough around here. To do well on any kind of artificial, or even the trolling. The, I mean, the, the Gulf. You got some really good days in the Gulf, but uh, yeah, you catch a couple fish trolling in the Gulf during the day. You're doing something. And uh, uh, when the guys started live baiting, they really started putting up some numbers in the Gulf. It's, you know, it's it's and, how and I like to do it. You know, it's live baiting. Uh, it's what you know. It's all I've ever done. I was only as 
really ever as good as the bait I was catching. And just imagining those oil rigs out there when I was a little kid going to put tunas out was just, I couldn't think of anything cooler. And what does your spread look like? Uh, everybody fishes different. I usually like to fish, you know, it all depends on how much bait you can catch. Sometimes if you can catch bait like crazy, I'll run, you know, I don't like running more than three. You really got to be good at separating them. I've had a lot, a lot of uh, fish eat the same bait. I, I like running one really close to the boat with a swivel out of the water and then one back a good little ways, you know, a couple hundred feet back where, where I feel comfortable enough where they're not going to eat that bait. And what's your preferred bait of choice? Um, I mean, black fins is what you're going to be using most of the time. A yellow fin is going to live a lot better. They're usually a lot tougher. Like sometimes you could take a, put him back in the tube and run five miles to the next rig and uh, continue to put him out. You know, you're, uh, the friskier the bait to me is always best. If I got baits that are out there just barely kicking, I, I can't stand it. I got to pull them out, do whatever I can to get a lot of the bait. But yellow fins, uh, the better black fins be great. You really got to crawl through a lot of bait a lot of times. It's tough. I'll say that's the main thing about fishing over here. It's tough. We're fishing three days at a time usually. And there's usually, you know, you spend a week getting the boat ready. And then, you know, most tournaments we're heading out, uh, you know, around lunch or afternoon or whatever. Um, some of the fast guys can, can make it to the rigs and you know, if we're running out of Destin, most of the rigs we start fishing are, are at least, you know, a uh, hundred miles. And there's some yeah. as far as 300 from Destin. So um, definitely an overnight couple. Yeah, of almost trips. all of our tournaments. We got a couple of tournaments that are, you know, uh, you can pick your days. I think the White Marlin Shootout, I fished that before. Yeah, that was a, one of the only tournaments I ever fished here with a lay day. So you're, you're committed. You feel like you're going to damn bermuda half the time you're leaving destin we got bladders on the bow bladders on the deck depending on what boat you have the uh boats really if you're going to tournament fish the gulf you really need to build your boat a lot different there's just so much more weight you're full of fuel extra fuel more ice you know usually have most boats have seven people on them and they got food you know enough fresh water for everybody a lot of a lot of preparation goes goes into it versus just fishing for the day, being able to go back to the dock. So have you fished the uh, Have you fished the Mississippi Gulf Coast? I have. That's one of my favorite ones. Huh? I heard that's like the one. But there's in the three, Gulf. right? It's like a three leg thing, right? Well, we got like a. Forgive me if I'm getting any of these wrong, but I mean, we got like Emerald Coast, Blue Marlin Classic out of Destin, San Destin. That's a, a huge tournament. You know, there's. Like over 100 boats in that usually as well and then you got biloxi and those two are the the two big ones uh, you got orange beach blue marlin classic that was recently delayed that's usually the uh the one that used to kick it off it used to be back in august i think but it, it, it kicks them off now and you got the cajun canyons out of louisiana you got uh i don't know there, there's a handful of them but yeah biloxi emerald coast obbc cajun canyons I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple, but. And you're doing, so when you're pulling, let's say you're pulling two lie baits, you're not, you're putting one in your rigger and dropping it, you know, way back there, or are you fishing Yeah, I like, the back of the boat? I like them both in my, in my riggers if I can help it. I can really judge what my bait's doing, and you never want to run it all the way to the 
top of your rigger, you probably break the rigger. But if you could run it down a few feet, you can kind of watch that triangle that the bait creates with the line. And uh, you can really tell when your baits are getting nervous. And uh, you got to fish around that. I mean, a lot of, if I feel a bait get nervous, a lot of times I'll kick it ahead a little bit. Sometimes the baits get so fired up, they'll run under the boat or line gets slack in it, fish end up wrapping around his bill. And there, there's so many different things. I learn something different every time I go, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's a lot different from kite fishing with a two pound goggle eye. And that's yeah, a big yeah. one. That's like a big goggle eye. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're holding baits that, that are, that kick your ass sometimes. We'll put bait out that won't even go in the tube. And, uh, and how do you run through the riggers? Like, do you use like some type of rubber band? I, I, just, I don't, I don't spin it or run a rubber band in the rigger. Some other guys might, um, uh, I usually, I, I can feed them through the clip just like a ballyhoo sometimes. So you run it directly through. Yeah. I'll let it feed out. A lot of times I'll feed them. Just a regular clip or you running like rollers? Uh, a roller usually. Uh, some of them guys I've seen. Run that. Oh, yeah. Really? Clips usually can't handle wow. the heat. Um, yeah, usually a pretty aggressive. Or some guys run one right off the stern. They run two in their riggers and then one out long, which is just seems insane to me, especially if I'm trying to uh, pace myself with my baits. A lot of times we, we get there and uh, the work starts at uh, like three in the morning. We'll start catching bait a lot of times. And you've got some days where you can catch bait during the middle of the day all day long, control and catch them, but that's usually not the case. Usually we start about three in the morning and uh, we got – you know, five big diamond jigs rigged up and I usually have uh, four or five guys back there, full-time jigging, filling the tubes. You're going around, you're marking the tubes, the clips, you know, if it's a yellowfin, you mark it. If you think one bait, bait be kind of weak, you mark that tube. And when you get your tubes full, you take that bait and throw them out and you cull them. Sometimes if you're trying to kill a real big fish or, uh, a lot of it's diamond jig. And sometimes you can catch a bigger bait chunk and you fill your tubes, you chunk a little bit and you might get through the elephants are a little bit smarter. Uh, catch those chunking sometimes. And I like to fill all my tubes and then put two out, you know, right when the sun's starting to crack. And, uh, if you got the crew, it's nice. Some of these guys, they got a, a guy on the bow all day long throwing and it, and some days they, they can catch them quick, you know, first cast. Some days they're up there throwing for an hour just to get one bite run around the side to sometimes that's you know what it takes to get a bait out it's tough you know sometimes you fish for three hours and you just want to give up catching bait and all of a sudden you catch two and you're like yeah should we put these out or should we catch two are they biting and kind of got to make that decision what to do usually i'll put them out you've hung some nice fish now from what i've seen man i uh this last year we killed two fish um, oh, what was it? I, on the pull of wire, we killed a fish. And then on my boat, we had one come up tail wrap and we killed it. And then I killed another one on the dirt pit. And none of them are, I don't like any of them are over 500, but I've, I've released a lot of fish. And up until, uh, yeah, that last season, I had never really been able to have one on the deck of my boat and see how big, and, you know, guess the weight and hang them up. And shoot, I was, way under on the way out you know, i don't see how this fish is even you know 300 pounds maybe up there closer to five so it made me realize a lot of these fish i've been catching were a lot bigger than i gave them credit <laughs> they're kind so of deceiving like that 
We got some big fish in the Gulf. You, I mean, we fish 130s a lot, so if we ever get that bite, we want to catch them. I've seen some fish make 80 wides look really small over here. So, so go ahead, Chase. When you're live baiting like that, you know, a lot of people are always talking about what, what leaders you guys are using. You know, I've heard guys that are like, ah, we don't go above 130. Yeah, I, I hate that. I mean, some of my best days, I've been out there with 400 moi moi just couldn't couldn't keep them away just all you want but then you get a fish sometimes that may come up in window shop and uh i think it has a lot more to do with your bait i mean if, if that bait is you know just barely swimming around half-assed red tail and that i mean a lot of times i think that's why you get a, a window shopping bite versus and a lot of these guys they they do jump it down to 150 and you know if i'm fishing tag and release i'm gonna fish 150 probably but you know I'm, my biggest thing i want to kill a big fish and hang one up so i'm usually you know 300 is comfortable for me sometimes i run 220 you know fluoro but if i'm if i'm in the world cup and i'm trying to grease a big fish or you know and i got the clock running you know i'm going to be running 400 400 what hooks are you putting on the front of those things most guys just use an eagle club eagle call uh you know 13, 18 knot, 19, and up to a 20s. I like the big hook. You know, fish has got a big mouth. I don't think him seeing that hook out there, anything's going to keep me from getting the bite. But you said you're switching. Go ahead, Leo. I saw you were about to ask something. Yeah, so kind of, again, when it comes to the depth bait trolling, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, separates a good crew from a bad one. You know, hookup ratio, many bites you get. You have a lot of things you can do. You know, light leaders, light hooks. What What are some things that make a team better than other than others over in the Gulf Coast area? Since there's since you don't troll as fast, you can't cover as much ground. So I'm trying to understand like what differentiates one team from the other. Uh, I mean, attitude, everything. Um, Got to people got a good attitude on the boat. It makes me feel great. It makes me feel confident. Um, hard, I mean, hard workers, you got, you're out, like I said, you're out there for three days. So you get a guy who's drinking on the way out the first day. You know what I mean? The, the, a lot of the guys you help, it, it wears them out. You get dehydrated. You, you need somebody who's really going to be dedicated to work hard for, I've got, you know, a lot of times we won't get, you know, maybe two or three hours of sleep a night. If that, you know, sometimes, you know, spend all night getting the rig and you get there and you catch bait and next thing you know it's time to fish and fish are biting and then you know it's next thing you know you turn around you've, you've been up for two and a half days uh, um yeah we don't have that experience issue. like yeah. i mean these you know, when it comes down to it you definitely want a good guy on the reel to i mean to, to hook the fish it's, yeah, that you want someone that's dedicated. It's really easy to run the lever up on the reel a little bit and walk away from the rod. And a lot of times that's going to cost you. You know, the fish feels the tension on the feed. Next thing you know, he's already jumping. And just because some guy turned around to go grab a, a water out of the cooler, you miss a fish. You know what I mean? No, no, sorry, sorry, Chase. I'm going to keep asking questions on this. Would it be an accurate statement if I told you that um, fishing in the Gulf Coast has more to do with luck? than it does on the east coast just because in the east coast you can kind of troll around cover more ground see more fish um or and whereas and you have different types of i don't know i feel 
I'm just kind of asking because I'm not really sure about this. Don't, this is not my stance. But uh, what are your thoughts on that when it comes to like the the, the role that luck plays on the Gulf Coast uh, in comparison to like the DR or East Coast of Florida? I would say it's easier to, to put a lure in your rigger and put the boat in gear and hook a fish doing that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, anybody can go catch a bait and throw it out there, but to be consistent, uh, I don't know. I, I definitely wouldn't say live baiting is easier. It, it is a lot of work goes into it. Um, and usually the guys that are, that are winner, the guys that won before, they're consistent. You know, it's, yeah, there's not, uh, there's not all, there's, there's not a bunch of luck usually in the winner's circle in our tournaments. Usually it's the same guys winning. And what would you attribute that? Is that, is that, is that because the captain puts the team kind of at the right oil rig or in the right spot or because usually it's about big fish, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Big fish. I mean, uh, Tag and release is huge too. A lot of people bet just as much money in that. Um, but uh, yeah, where were we going at with it again? Yeah, I was kind of wondering. How much of a, Go ahead, Chase. How much of an effect has the sonar had on the Gulf Coast fishing? Oh, it's huge. It's definitely huge. I, I mean, again, the guys that were that were that are winning now with the sonars, they were winning before without the sonars. A lot of these guys are really good and that sonar just makes them that much better i i can't stand it i want one because everybody else has it but i wish nobody had it you know like spend a lot of time it'd be a rig for a day and a half and you might figure out a fishing feeding pattern or what corner of the rig he likes how far away and then you know these guys pull in with a sonar and within five minutes they know more than you know you know and they, they're able to follow the fish i just know when i go over one when you guys see yeah, a fish Sorry, when you guys see a fish on the sonar, and you see it like way out to the side, you guys see it happening pretty often where if you're pulling live bait, you're not able to get over to that fish quick enough because I don't know how fast you can pull your live baits. Yeah, I mean, I haven't fished on um, many boats with sonars, um, but a lot of the guys, they can keep their baits in the boat until they think the fish is going to bite. Um, and I'm, I'm not very educated on it, but you know, I've heard a lot of these guys, they don't even have to look at their spread. They can tell you what bait it's going to come up on. I've even heard guys say that the fish changes color, his air bladder, air bladder blows up, and they can tell when a fish is going to eat because of that. And you know, I've heard some of these guys can go into the uh, the dirtier water where there's a lot of sharks, and actually, you know, drive around with their sonar and put themselves in a position and know what a blue marlin looks like versus a versus a shark, and uh, get through the sharks with the sonar. And I've heard of guys winning like that before. I mean, from fishing on a boat with a sonar, and then, I mean, the boat that I work on now has a sonar as well. We just haven't fished it yet. Um, we did get to learn kind of what a shark looks like. And, you know, we would know, like, oh, I think I just marked a shark. You know, we weren't totally in-depth in it, you know. But for the most part, it was, okay, that's probably a shark. It's only moving. It's moving real slow. Um, and then you see this, you know, this red, red spot show up and this red spot's moving eight knots. And then next thing you know, the boat's going faster and faster and, you know, my captain's running it down, but I got my spread out the whole time, you know, I'm dead bait trolling. So I have my spread out the whole time. And the next thing you know, there he is on the right teaser. Um, 
you know, it's, it is cool, but I feel like for you guys in the golf where you're going around these oil rigs and looking and you're trying to find something, if you can go and drop the sonar and go, okay, there ain't shit on this rig, I'm about to go to the next one, that gives you a head over heels advantage over the guy who's pulling up, has to drive completely around it, you mm-hmm. know. They'll do it. They'll pull up to you, and you know, them guys, uh, Jason Buck on the done deal. You have him pull up, and you're committed to this rig. And all of a sudden, he does a couple laps and leaves, and they're like, "Try to leave too? What did he just see?" A lot of times, my sonar, I, I, I don't even let my regular sonar discourage me. Sometimes I won't mark fish, and the next thing I know, I'm hanging out, and all of a sudden, the fish just show up. You know, it's, uh, that's it's crazy. That's almost like you guys are running and gunning for him, live baiting. Oh man, I mean, a lot of the extra fuel is running and gunning just to get from rig to rig. We got uh, some rigs that are in the you know 120 mile range, kind of a cluster than more that are out there 160. And this is from Destin; they're all a lot closer to, to Louisiana. And then we got the Green Canyon out there, which is far. And for a while, it seemed like the further away that the rigs were were better off. They weren't messed with as much and everything. But the last couple of years, the guys have just been crushing the fish inshore. Um, I guess to the current spot, but no, a lot of times, you know, we'll, I'll start out, we'll run just in time to fish a rig for, you know, a couple hours and then, you know, reel them up. I'm going to run, knock 25 miles off and then we'll chug throughout the night to make it to the green Canyon, wherever we're at by, you know, three, four in the morning and enough time to catch bait. That's critical. A lot of times you get there, if the, if the sun's coming up, uh, like I said, sometimes they're, they're easy to catch, but other times you might as well put the lures out because they're not going to bite. you got to completely switch up your whole strategy. Uh, some guys just won't give up. They'll keep running from rig to rig. they got the fuel until they catch bait. They don't, you know. So, now, I mean, Leo, I don't know if you want to get off this topic, but now you're switching to, I think you said your boat's headed to DR you know, for July and August. What is it like for you to go from that Gulf Coast mental aspect to, oh shit, now I gotta go fish fads and deadbeat troll? I love it, man. It's something different. Um, I don't know if I'll ever love anything as much as fishing those rigs. I, I mean, I, I still, you know, look for every opportunity I can to get out there, but doing something different, uh, have more teaser fishing, which I do pull teasers when I'm live baiting. The last trip I had on the, the Lucky Dog, we had one snatching the teaser out of my hand and finally turned off and ate a bait. But I'm really looking forward to doing some teasing and pitch baiting. Um, the guy's got some, also some real big plans. He wants to, he's got some girls he wants to, he's really into big fish. We're going to uh, the DR and stuff. To, you know, it sounds like he wants to get his daughters trained up. They're really uh, picking interest and fishing and then he wants to bring the boat back home this winter and probably put it on a ship for next spring hopefully if everything works out with corona and stuff and uh, he's talking about the canary islands a lot go chase those big blue fins those thousand pound blue fins that come through in the spring and then hopefully go chase some some grander blue marlins after that and uh, well your boss got moving. the boat for yeah. it i saw it in the dr it's absolutely just amazing it is. I haven't been on a lot of game fishermen, and I know they put a lot of love into it at Bayless, but the whole boat is just solid. It's got storage. It's it's a huge deck. Um, it's just super easy to wash. The, all the riggers, every I mean, 
Skip and Chip, they really, you could tell a fisherman had a lot of things. Just like on the, underneath my helm, uh, Skip had put in a, a little switch to desynchronize it, like right there, so you don't even have to turn around. You just hit that in case you ever, you know, your engines are messing up. Just everything in the engine room, super accessible, lots of storage. I, I love the boat. But it wouldn't be the one I wanted to have for the Gulf. I, you know, the, the, the bigger, the better. I would just about say in the Gulf, you're out there for three days. I really like being on a big boat with a sea keeper. You know, it doesn't, you, you know, when you get the fish on, of course, you want a smaller boat. You can maneuver a little bit quicker, especially in tag and release. But you know, a lot of these big boats I'm on, they, they don't have much of a problem. I mean, the good thing is you're pulling heavy leaders for the most part in the Gulf. So at least your mates get to have fun pulling on them. Yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot of guys are dropping down really light. I get on boats sometimes, and they're, you know, 150, 180-pound leaders, and I'm like, we better than kill fish. What are we doing, you know? I just hear those horror stories of people fighting fish for a long time and, you know, circle hook fish, and sometimes you can get away with it, but you got about a 50% chance of that line going around the bill and chasing it off. The last time we fished, we were fishing our 20s, on our flat lines and we were actually catching a few of our blue marlin on their 20s oh, yeah. with 30 pound main line on it but um we were fishing one 30 pound leader but some of the guys were fishing even 60 pound leader oh we've got them we've got shoot four or five hundred pound fish on 90 before sure tro trolling alleys. and, and the, the trolling can be great around the rig i remember one of, one of the guys shoot a lot of the guys last year Talked to one of my buddies on the sap phone, and he had had five that first afternoon. And he caught five on the troll. And he thought we were doing something. See, I, I love, like, tackle fishing. Like, when we were down in Cat Island, when we were down in Cat Island, I got a, you know, I wanted to fish our BFCs on everything. And, uh, you know, two longs, two flats, two teasers, two dredges. I was like, let's fish BFCs. You know, we're let's try and keep these fish on the surface, keep them away from the sharks. And uh first one, you know, that we caught on a BFC, you know, it stayed on the surface the whole time, didn't get eaten. But uh we had a lady angler who needed to catch her first and we had to get it for her. And the first one I hooked it on a fifty pitch, came in there, everything was right, but that drag on it just sent it sounding and it, it jumped for a little bit. You know, gave you like that minute of jump to start, and that's why we were clearing everything. And then it sounded, and by the time it sounded, sharks were all over it. Like boom. Yeah, it's incredible. A lot of fish die on us because of heavy drag. A lot of fish die for sure. Yeah, and then you know, I kept pushing for the you know the twenties on the long riggers. I was like, let's just keep fishing the twenties. Yeah, it's incredible how fast you could get up, get up on them and grab that leader. Yeah. But, um, all we're trying to do is get the leader, you know? Yep. And uh, we ended up switching to 50s on the longs, um, you know, because she could clip into them instead of the BFCs where, you, can't, you know, they don't have the uh, harness connections. Right. So we had one, I hooked it on a BFC, and she was fighting it on the BFC, and we were, ended up, I took a piece of 400, wrapped it around, put a loop on each end, clipped it into the harness, was trying everything to make it work, flossed a... Uh, I flossed a toothbrush into the harness to keep to keep the <laughs> yeah, line. <laughs> and I was like, "All right, this is all. This is what we got," you know. And they were like, "All right, we're switching the fifties," you know. And 
even on the 50s, I, I backed my drags down. You know, the only reason we were pulling those was so she could clip into them. And finally, when we caught that first one on the 50, I was like, all right, thank you. And then the 20s came right back out. And I was like, all right, we can switch back to 20s now. Yeah, if you're going to let them go, you can get them a lot quicker, it seems like, with some light reels. Yeah. I mean, the other day, you know, the showtime's up in Charleston right now, and they're they're having a really good bite. And uh, I got a text from John on his inReach. He was fighting one for, I think he was fighting it on a 30, and he was into his two and a half hours. He was like, yeah, we've, we've been fighting one for two and a half hours. Like a 400-pounder on, you know, a 30. And I was like, man, that that's tough but it it's stuff yeah. that you you can't get around that you know if a fish wants to sound it's going to sound yeah and, and then you, you can do i mean i'm sure you guys have the tricks too like i'll walk over and tap the reel with the back of a pair of pliers trying to send vibrations down there to freak it out you know and a lot of times it works they come yeah, up just, just the well you know it's tough to do it you know you never want to really touch the drag when everything's going smooth but it seems like if you if you are to back it off the fish is more likely to come up. One thing I've I heard found... some guys. Go ahead. One thing I've actually heard too is some guys like when they sound like that, like in some of those like the Masters tournament and stuff like that, when they're they have to fight a fish for like thirty minutes. I see them. I've heard some stories from those guys where they'll throw it in complete free spool when they're sounding, complete complete free spool, and let them come back up to the surface, then pump the belly out of it. Yeah, that goes back to. I mean, I used to fish the pier. And King Mackerel, if he was coming towards the pier and he was about to go under, he'd free spool and he'd U turn. I mean, there's this weird yeah. what uh, pressure could do to a fish and make him you, think. You gotta, get, you gotta have some serious balls to do that shit. <laughs> yeah, it works. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it works. You know, like, for example, one of the things that, you know, John Mead taught me was when we would get a fish on light, on light stuff, and it would sound on us. He'd back past the fish. He'd put the angler on the corner and he'd back past them. And that fish would come up. And then we were down in Cat Island. We had one on, on the light stuff. And I looked up at Butler, you know, and Butler was like, let's let him scope out on us and come back up. And I was like, dude, why don't you just try backing past him? And Butler was like, all right, whatever. We'll try whatever right now because we don't want him to get eaten by sharks. And as soon as he got in front of that fish, it was like you could see the line just take off. You know, I yeah. just backed the drag back a little bit. He backed past it. As soon as we changed that angle, fish came right back to the surface and we caught it. I swear to God, we did it, I think, 30 times in one day when we were fishing Stripe Marlin out of um, Cabo with Big O and with Newt on the helm. And that's all he did the entire day. Puts you in the corner, pass it in reverse, and you lift it back up. It worked like a charm. Yeah, you go right, oh, yeah. you go past them and they freak out. Hmm. They don't like the way that line changes on their face, and they they don't know what to do, and they come back to the surface, you know. And that's that's one of those lessons that when I move upstairs, I'm gonna be like, all right, oh yeah, go to the corner every time. Yeah. <laughs> but nah, I'm I'm super excited to see that game fisherman over there in the DR. I'll be over there with you. So yeah, hop on with it. Boss is super cool. He, he's got a lot of fish on fly too. Hopefully, get to see him do that a little bit. Oh, you guys are going to do it, too? You guys are going to fly fish, too? Pitch for yeah, flies? he's got a bunch on fly. I was at his oh, office wow. the other day and some IGFA plaques and stuff that they were giving him back in the 90s. Pretty, cool. pretty incredible what they were doing back in the 90s. See, the thing is, like, over there, fab fishing, it comes down to, once again, that sonar just works its way back into that conversation. 
where uh-huh. you're like, oh shit, I kind of need one of those. Yeah. I mean, they're they're such a valuable tool. Just got to fish that much harder without it. That's yeah. the thing. You almost need it in tournaments now. Yeah, I mean, it's not a not an untrue statement. It's uh, you know, a lot of these guys. I mean, some of these guys in the Gulf are still winning without them. I mean, you get to you get to these rigs. A lot of times, there might be ten boats on a rig. You know, and if you know a guy's got a sonar, you can get close to him. And a lot, and it might not always be the guy with a sonar getting a bite. You know. Hey, He's Skip Jack, you're on this special situation, and I'm pretty sure you have this sonar, probably the latest one. What? Yes. How do you guys run it? Is Tucker upstairs, the kind of driving the boat and manning the sonar at the same time, or do you guys have someone watching the sonar yep. next to him? Hey, yes, Tucker will watch it. Um, he he says he wishes nobody has it because he said he hates looking at it. You know, instead of looking at the spread, pretty much. Um, but I mean, there was times in the tournament where. Yeah, we were just, and it's so funny too, because we know when he marks something, because we'll all be downstairs. He'll be kind of quiet about it, but when we're downstairs, you know when he sees something, because we'll be just sitting there going straight, and all of a sudden, 90 degree turn left, and we're like, oh, I think he sees something on the sonar. <laughs> but, as, I mean, we were. S turns, S turns, speed changes, and really sharp turns. Yeah, that's your three much. dead giveaways that's, that you're counting <laughs> seeing something on the sonar. I mean, like, the last tournament, race we were, for we impact. One. Yeah, the last tournament, we were following one for. Damn near 15 minutes, like a solid 15 minutes. We were chasing this thing around and finally got him to come up and got him to eat. And we caught him, which was really cool. Probably a lot easier if you had a tuna and a tuna tube just right with your setup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you first exactly. put the in the water, they, they usually go straight down really fast. You as well? Yeah. I mean, some of the guys now, they'll be driving around. They're just throw it down. They'll be doing 10, 12 knots. You'll see them. You see a 15 pound yellow thing come out the back. Jeez. Next thing you know, it's. Blue Marlin jumping behind their boat. No way. See, I, I, yeah. I would probably really frown on that if y'all started pitching my baits during tournaments over there, I would imagine. I'm just waiting to drive by you in the DR and start seeing you pitching little little baby tunas. Yeah, all I was about I'm not going to do it. I want to, you know, I, I stick to tradition and I want to, you know, master that way. I'll fly bait it over here. So. I mean, yeah, the, the, the Cody pitching there. giant blackfin tuna on the fads. <laughs> the DR. Oh, I mean, Martina swim around the fat again. I mean, that's what my gut's gonna be telling me to do, no doubt. You know, that's, uh, you're gonna mark one. You're gonna be like, man, I wish I had that blackfin. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, in all honesty, like my boss on the showtime, he was a big fan of live beating. Uh, he hated it kite fishing, and then you know we kind of worked him into it. We got him to do it one or two times this year. And he had a good time. We saw some fish, uh, sail fishing on kites. But he went down to Costa Rica, and when they were fad fishing in Costa Rica, they'd pull a spoon, catch a couple, fill the uh, tubes. And he said one of his favorite things was they'd pull teasers. And when they would pull the teasers, they'd raise one of the teaser, pull it, tease the fish up, and then they'd put the boat in a turn and throw the tuna in the clear water. And he said the fish would just come hammer it in the clear water and he said i would be in the cockpit and i get soaked when the blue marlin ate and he that's was awesome. like he was got, like you know, this year it was i mean that, that's one of the coolest ways to hook a fish we had a it was during the world cup that was a trip we had caught eight in two days and uh it was on a boat called the pull of wire and we had a, a, several double headers come up that day and one fish came up i, I 
to get 500 pounds or so or bigger. And uh, he'd come up and window shop and, and uh, you know, one boat might troll by and, and uh, they'd raise him uh, with a lure. We'd hear him see him. And so we'd pull away from the rig a little while and put out just two giant lures. And I think one of the short, maybe probably two in the shorts. We're like, all right, we're going to get him to come up again. We're going to throw him a bait and get that reaction bite. And sure enough, get close to rig, Brandon starts yelling, and I, I'm pretty sure it's a big old yelp, and snatched it out of there and threw it out. We're probably doing eight knots, nine knots. And the, the, it's hard to even tell you got the bite because we're going so fast. The, the tuna's ripping line off. And I run the drag up, and next thing you know, he's pulling, you know, 18, 20 pounds of drag. Got him. Pretty cool way to, to to get the bite. Sometimes you got to think outside the box and you know, get a reaction bite and tice them. On those live baits, because I don't do it very often, not for Blue Marlin at least. Are you letting him eat? Pretty much let him dump until they jump kind of deal, or uh, they pretty much uh, the longer the better for me. The longer the better for me. I found out. Um, you know, one minute seems like ten minutes while you're doing it. You know, but I, at least yeah, I like to you know. 30, 45 seconds, depending on the size of the bait or, you know, if you see a small fish get a big bait or something, obviously you're going to feed them a lot longer, but I, you know, a lot of times those fish will be so fired up. They'll, they'll have that, that bait dog bone in their mouth and they, you know, they might not want to let go of it right away. They want to get going into the current, get that big thing turned around head first. You know what I mean? It's not the easiest. Sometimes they inhale it right away, but you know, so what you're telling me is dump it to the backing. Yeah, I mean the the <laughs> it seems like not too often they're gut hooked. Usually that hook gets turned around and comes back out and gets them in the corner. You yeah. had you had I I think this was you, but I followed you on Instagram for a while now. And uh did you catch one and kill one that had another kill rig in its mouth? Yeah, we did. That was uh the fish. That was a pretty cool story we were on that pool and wire boat they got a it's old buddy davis they got a new i think it's a miller now in the bahamas but we, we were on the way out we had our bladders in the pit and everything and couldn't get on plane i think we had the, the big traders hill uh you know i think it's a giant jim smith the, um what's the name of it the, uh, relentless pursuer one, one of the big boats we had we were even trying to get them to come behind us so we could ride their wave and get up on plane and uh couldn't happen so we just got out just in time we made it out to one of these big ledges that's inshore of one of the first rigs that good spot lots of tunas and marlin get caught there and uh i remember we were trolling these big old waves came and you could just see that that fish just riding riding the giant swell they came and smoked a mold craft on the short i kid you not the fish probably pulled off 80 100 yards of line like Probably had at least 20 pounds of drag on him. Pulled him off. We were like, oh, man. I grabbed a Spanish and pitching it back there. And about the time it got to the shotgun, he, he came all the way back, ate the shotgun. Uh, he killed that fish. But, yeah, it had another rig in it for sure. That was a circle hook with a – looked like they were using a traditional eye bridle. It's a power pro. But, yeah, I – I remember seeing that post and I was like, that's actually pretty cool. Cause I, I if I'm not mistaken, you looked at it or you wrote on it, you were like, uh, 
if anyone tried to kill this or got pinched off by this fish, we got it for you or something like that. And I was like, I was like, that's pretty badass. Yeah, it's pretty baller. Yeah, it got him in the, I think it was in the roof of his mouth or something. So right there in the corner of his mouth. Hmm. No, getting, getting pinched off in the corner is the worst feeling in the world. Oh, man. I've yeah, a lot of people tell you that a, a marlin's mouth is soft, but they're lying. Yeah, that, that corner's mean. It's like a pair of manlies back there, just. Yep. But we got pinched off by two in Cat Island, one on one, one on one thirty, I think. Uh, pulling a tuna beat down the center, I yelled up to the captain. I was like, "You got a blue one on your shotgun," and because uh, we were pulling a tuna bait way back. And I just saw a big wake on it. And I was like, you got a blue one on your shotgun. And the captain looked down. He's like, I got this one. And he, like, feeds it, like, I don't know. He fed it a while. And I was like, dude, just pull it up. I'll I'll give it a pitch bait. And he pushes it up. And it comes up jumping. And we both went, whoa, that was a lot bigger than we thought. It was like a five, 450, 500-pounder. And we're, as soon as it came up, we watched it close its mouth. Just fucking pinched us off and i was like oh damn it and he was like oh that was a lot bigger than i thought it was yeah. <laughs> we thought it was like 200 250 you know that's what we were catching and you know what everything was, what was the bahamas like chase because we haven't spoken for a while the bombs was fun uh we fished. give us a background of like what you did where you fished so we ran down the cat island and we fished uh i want to say it was 11 days straight in cat island 11 or 12 um we raised 20 blue ones got bites out of 18 um caught seven uh got sharked on four uh got sharked on four so that put us at 11 jumped one or two off and then uh had some you know the boss man was learning to pitch and everything was a teaser bite except for like two um you know so he was learning to pitch and he got a lot of shots and you know it was just a lot that we didn't come tight on but that happens to the best of us when we're learning so it, it was a great place to go learn then we caught a couple white marlins i think we were like five for eight or six for eight on white marlins while we were down there um you know but it was you literally had an hour um you know, at one point we had three bites in 45 minutes. We ran the rum uh, on caught the last hour or so of the alcohol. And we were sitting there on the corner. And when I was setting my spread out, it was just me in the cockpit. Uh, you know, the owner was like, listen, do your thing. Set your spread out, then we'll come help you. I was like, all right. So I'd set my spread out with the clickers on on my long riggers. So that way, while I was putting dredges in the water and stuff, I could hear it go off. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you, it was probably three or four times that in those 11 days that we dropped right on them. Like, it was like I set out, I didn't even have dredges in the water yet, and the clicker was going, and I was like, oh, shit, there's something on. And, you know, one time it was a blue marlin. I, I will tell you, I completely missed that fish. Like, I clean whiffed, and that we never f saw that fish again. Um, 
happens. But we had three bites in 45 minutes. And then, you know, for an example, the one day we raised the blue one, call it the blue one, and uh, turn around. We were like, all right, let's go do lunch and bottom fish while we're doing lunch. And we went bottom fishing and ate lunch. And when we got back, the you know, to the exact same spot. We were gone for an hour and 15 minutes. The in, in my DNA was there. They hadn't had a fish yet. And they had two blue, or they were two for three on blues and one for, oh, for one on whites or one for one on whites in an hour. You know, it was like you trolled all day for your hour long bite. And uh, when it was good, it was good. But we had a lot of fun with it. Um, you take the bites getting slower? I don't know. Um, you know, my buddy's there, so it seems like we're going to be on the, you know, the fish are migrating up through there. I just saw someone had three like yesterday or something like that, and Skipjack, hell, he's probably down there right now. Yeah. Skipjack, where are you at? Uh, we just got the Spanish here today. We just left Boat Harbor, Abaco, over there. Um, but Wave Paver yesterday, they, they crushed it out of there, out of Boat Harbor. I mean, they caught four blues, three whites, and a sail. And they left by like 11.30 or 10.30 in the morning, something like that. They weren't even out all day. Yeah, I got to fish around them in May before over there. It's pretty impressive. Everything's so, like, one thing we really noticed was when we were getting the last last hour and a half of the out going, and then you'd have like three hours where you're getting nothing, just kind of like slack tide, just wasn't really going on. And then you get to like, an hour before incoming and all of a sudden you get a little flurry you know bites but i mean there was some good fishing down there everybody pretty much every boat every day came in with flags flying um you know some days some days you're the top boat some days you're not and you know there was guys it was cool because you know there was only one boat with sonar um we didn't have one on the, I was fishing aboard the American Beauty. Uh, we didn't have a sonar, you know, but we were seeing just as many fish as a boot that did, you know, and, and that was really cool. I feel like fishing there is kind of one of those spots, like Cat Island, I don't know if you ever fished it, but you're really fishing the ledge along the coast of the island, and you go all the way up around to Columbus, and then you fish your way back down, and see what you can or up. I don't. I don't even know what was north and south. I wasn't paying attention. I faced backwards all day. Um, but you know, you're fishing this ledge, and you had the guys who wanted to do in and out tacks. You had the guys who wanted to go straight along the edge, fish depths, and then you had guys pulling lures. You had the guys teaser fishing. You had guys, you know, bait fishing and like, you know. Like we were doing four baits, two teasers, you know, it was cool because everybody was getting their shots and, you know, you get in, there's, there's not a lot going on on that island and you get in, everyone wants to talk about, oh, we saw this, we saw that, you know, I, I heard a rumor that the one boat that was pulling lures, they had like nine sail bites in a day, but they couldn't catch them on the lures. They had nine sail bites, and like two blue marlin bites and three white marlin bites but you know and I, I can't remember the name of that boat i want to say it was like the edge or something like that um yeah that's jason robinson 60 foot spencer good friend of ours well 
he he came over and talked to me. I, I want to say it was them or another boat, but someone had. They said that they had some crazy, crazy fishing on the lures. You know, it it was just one of those things. It was like you go there and try out whatever technique you want. Uncharted territory. I mean, definitely a lot of people fishing there, and definitely a lot of people seeing. Okay, this works, but one, you're fending through the sharks. And the sharks there are not like bull sharks here, you know, where you're like, oh, we just got bit. We might get eaten. It was like, okay, we just hooked a fish. There's six white tips right here. You're and we getting eaten. <laughs> we haven't put the boat in reverse yet, so we got to go, you know. <laughs> and uh, that was the thing. It was, you know, the, the kid that I call him the kid, uh, Michael Butler, the kid that I was fishing with, you know, he's running that boat. He's 23 years old. Um. And he did a great job. I'll, I'll give him tons of credit. He put us on the fish. You know, some bad luck and stuff went on. We missed a couple, all that kind of stuff. But he did his job. And, you know, we when it came to, get, to getting after him, he was not afraid to go after him. Um, there's our first white one we caught out at the point at Columbus. And if you know about that spot, it gets pretty rough out there. Um, and you know the first day it was it was big and we were in a 52 foot boat and it was big and we had a a lady angler on it and she was all for it and i can tell you i haven't gotten that wet in probably two years trying to catch a fish i mean i was soaked from head to toe cockpit had like a foot of water in it and the owner of the boat was just stoked you know and that's what it's all about i i i can tell you i love cat island fishing cat island on the other hand the mosquitoes can not a big fan i hear you (laughs) everybody's warning me about long island says that is the first thing they say is the boat you know everyone says long like i i'm going to long next month um on our way to the dr uh long's bad cat's bad uh rum's really bad sand sal's bad just the biggest (laughs) thing you can do is just take as much bug spray as you can get the bahamas is bad (laughs) (laughs) skip jack what's the deal with you how was the custom boat shootout Oh man, it's a blast. It it was it was a little slow fishing, but it was still a fun tournament. We we were close to a slam. We actually were close to a daily, but couldn't find our blue marlin. We had two whites and a sail on the third day. Couldn't pull the blue. What was your <laughs> overall report over all all the three days? Um, overall was it's, two whites so each day. Oh, each day. I think the first day we caught a sail. That was it. The second day we goose egged. Saw nothing. Then the third day oh. we had our two whites in the sail. Huh. It was slow Other fishing. Ways. I mean, that's huh. kind of the Bahamas, though. You know, everyone will, when you talk to the Bahama about the Bahamas, you know, people are gonna be like, when you go fish the pocket, you want southeast wind for a week. Yeah. How often do you get southeast wind for a week? You know, you guys just fished the Chub K tournament, Dude. and it's kind of one of those things. It's like, okay, they scheduled a tournament. How often does that line up with? the wind being southeast for a week very rarely but that tournament <laughs> very it, rare Although the and fishing, fishing was 
it wasn't that great. We we didn't even see a. I think we caught two sales. It was terrible. We got biggest tuna, which was cool. Won some money, but <laughs> I mean the blue marlin. But I think there was like maybe six or seven blues caught. I think. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's about what it was. Freebird won that, right? Yep, Freebird. Sorry, what was that, Cody? How big does it take to win the tuna down there? He was It ain't like the golf. He was he was pitch bait size. We catch a hundred and forty pounder, and you're like, that ain't gonna do nothing. You pretty much pissed. You you pretty much pitched a ten thousand dollar fish where you were. Oh yeah. It was uh, it was twenty eight pounds. I mean, we caught. Here too, I know guys that have weighed fish with the bridle still on it and won money and you know, they oh, ran the bait, ran it as a bait, and ended up winning money off of it. See, that's the thing. Like in Chub K, the bait, the baits that you're fishing, you're probably gonna have a shot at winning ten grand. You know, yeah, no kidding. Just just trying to catch bait. I mean, those diamonds, I caught I don't know how many over a hundred, at least a handful of them over hundred fifty. Just jigging, trying to catch little black thing. Yeah, see, I don't want to fight a hundred and fifty pound tuna in the middle of the night. No, I mean it. it I, it's not just one of them. Shoot, a lot of times when you're, you think we go to bed. I, I remember some nights where you you're reeling in tuna the entire night. Now, oh, that's another hundred pounder. Cut him up for chunks. That's another hundred pounder. Cut the loins on Amy and throw him back. Whatever. I mean it's. It's going to take a 180-pound fish to win. I mean, you could always bet in it and end up with a lot of boys to make money, but there's some really big fish. I can tell you this right now. The boat that I work on right now, the outnumbered, it used to be the agitator. You cannot fit that. You cannot fit a 180-pound yellowfin in the kill box that we have. Oh, right. You guys don't even have a kill box in the transom, right? We don't have one in the transom. We have one in the deck, and it's like, this I, I can't even tell you how big it shout is. It's out like this. John, shout out to John. The, I mean, they have their other boat was used to be called the Bill Fisher. That should say enough. Like all they do is wrap yeah. it up numbers, and they're good at it too. They're really good at it. But yeah, I'm really good at it. <laughs> I started on there to. I started on there today, and I, you know, I'm getting the tour of the boat. You know, finally getting to know things and. We got vendors all over the boat doing this and that. And I'm like, I went, I was down the lazarette and I knocked on the, this thing next to me. And I was like, that's pretty hollow. And the captain looks at me and he goes, that's your kill box. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, there's not a lot of room in that. He goes, good thing we're not killing a lot of shit. And I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> I was like, glad we're on the same page here. This works out perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Cody, have you ever fished the Bahamas? I have. I've been to the Abacos twice. Okay. But, uh, didn't get to fish the custom shootout and all that, but got to fish right in the middle of all of them and see how it goes down. Uh, I was, a lot of people thought, yeah, Bahamas is slow, this and that, you know, fish are kind of lazy. And we showed up, you know, during the shootout and the radio's just melting with people calling in fish. I remember one time looking around and you could see four boats, you know, within a mile of us fighting blues. And we had a lot of I shots mean- down there. The thing about the Bahamas, you know, that I've noticed, and I've fished it, you know, not nearly as much as some of these guys, but a decent amount now, it's hit or miss, you know, and the showtime before it was the showtime, it was the Cerveza, and they won the CB, CBCs back when that was the, the tournaments down there, and 
you know, it was, even then when I talked to, you know, the person who owned the boat at the time, Tom Russell, when it was the Cerveza, I talked to him and he's like, man, he's like, the Bahamas are just slow, you know, and I'm like, dude, I just went for 12 days and had, or 11 days and had 20 blue marlin bites. Right. I was like, I don't, I don't know about you, but we're averaging two a day. That's pretty damn good. Plus some white marlins and, and there's you know, some every- big there too. I mean, I've seen a, there was a Spencer Valora something. I forget. We flew the drone over there one time. There was two girls cranking on an 80 wide in the gunnel. Fish had to have been 800 pounds. And then another Viking. Yeah, they got big. Another Viking strung up an 802 while we were there. One of the days before the tournament had it come up dead on them. It's a. And we had some just big old fish come up in our stretch for sure. Caught, you know, one or two that were four or 500 pound class fish. Yeah, we saw, you know, we saw a good bit in the one, 150 to like 250 range. That was pretty much our primary fish. Um, you know, a lot of little angry ones. And uh, I'll tell you, this is something that I would never admit to because John Mead might call me and yell at me if he listens to this. But I was pulling mackerels on my teasers. And I got to a point where the cooters were so bad that, you know, when we fished the corner on the showtime, the cooters are bad. Oh, yeah. Like, I was, I was rigging 20 you know 18 20 mackerels for a trip and then are right, those the big the big ones chase uh the decent size like 15 oh, inch the, mackerels. Uh, no, 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 no. yeah we caught a bunch of them little shits too down there there's yeah. a bunch on the damn oil rig they'll they'll piss you off even more around the oil rig probably i mean they're they're prime though but i was rigging them as my teaser mackerels and i was going through <laughs> i can't even tell you how many times i was changing out teaser baits and finally i looked at michael and i was like michael butler i was like hey we got some rubber mackerels down there. Can we try these things on the teaser? Dude, they work great. Yeah, just save me, save me a little bit. And the first fish we raised came to the teaser on the rubber mackerel, got on the rubber mackerel, switched to the pitch. I mean, it was pissed off on the teaser. It actually made Michael's hands bleed upstairs. He switches to me on the pitch on a real mackerel. I've, you know, I'm holding it. I get the bite, I'm like, all right, one, two, and I go to start to push it up, and I can feel him drop me, and I watch the fish swim from my real mackerel back to the rubber mackerel and start eating the rubber mackerel again. So now he drops his teaser back a little bit, starts pulling away from him again. I pull my pitch bait back up because he hasn't even done anything to it yet, and I'm holding it there. He switches back to me. I'm like, drop the rod tip, got bit watching him hold it in his mouth, drops it, and swims back to the rubber mackerel. And I'm like, dude, I've never seen a blue marlin go from a real mackerel to a rubber mackerel. And we pulled rubber mackerels the last three days of that trip, and it worked great. But I hope John Mead doesn't listen to this because he's going to call me and be like, oh, you just got rigged more mackerels. On on the big O, we pulled like rubber eels and and. Cabo, Cabo and, and Mac Bay for three days straight, and they were just getting attacked by 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 striped marlin. They're these long—I'm not sure if I can or cannot say this—but super long e- uh, eels. I'm not not sure what like the brand hoagie. is. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a hoagie. But it was cool, man. Like they and it and it stretches out. So when a fish gets it, like it stretches out like that. It's it's a cool thing. It's a hoagie, dude. 
Those, those will get swordfish bites too. Oh yeah. Skipjack. But, so how? Tell us about the tournament, man. You were you were down there at the custom boat shootout amongst the greatest and greatest and latest boats. How was Skipjack. that? Yeah, I think he's not. I think he's busy doing something else. Skipjack paused us. He's yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he's on. He's hanging out with all the, you know, the custom boat guys doing his thing. Yeah, being he's all the big elite for us now. Yeah, he's he's one but, of the big guys now. No, I mean, the Bahamas was fun. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back there. You know, as soon as we can get this boat out of the yard and go fishing again, I'm looking forward to just fishing. But it's one of those things. It's, by the time we get there, it may be over. Who knows? And that's that's kind of how it goes in the Bahamas. But Cody, you know, you guys are headed to DR. You're gonna spend some time there. What do you got planned after that? I mean, I know you said you wanted to bring the boat back and then put it on a ship, but if that doesn't happen, what do you got going on? Hopefully, I get back in time to go elk hunting. I really enjoy that. Um, in September, hopefully, bring the boat back first thing in September. Do a little bit of work to it this winter, and uh, the boss has it's an old. Uh, they built it at GNS. It's a, I think it's fifty-eight foot called the Matanza. He used to travel a lot. That's one Jimmy. Jimmy actually fished on it uh, for a little bit, but he wants me to gut that thing. Um, it's like a Ricky Taylor or Ricky Kilker or something. A bunch of people had their hands in it, but it's a really, really cool boat. It was definitely ahead of its time back then. But he wants me to gut that thing and find a yard to take it to and completely redo it. But, uh, you know, I heard, I heard Saunders is like the one to go to on the golf they're course. good yeah they're 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 good for sure um south florida and stuff i'll definitely say they're uh but a lot more boats get built down there there's a lot more talent down there for sure and real North, quick north carolina i mean there's a lot of a lot of production in the gulf real quick this this gets away a little bit from the fishing aspect and more into a personal conversation i wanted to have with you but the hunting thing, it seems like you're pretty on it. You're hunting like Kansas and all that kind of stuff, aren't you? Yeah, I got to uh, go to Kansas with my last boss. They've got some really incredible property out there. The deer hunting from, compared to what I grew up doing, all these deer in the south are really smart. And I, I mean, I enjoy that. It's a challenge to hunt them. But I grew up uh, deer hunting. Finally ventured out to go elk hunting in uh, 2015. And now I got a buddy of mine. We try and go every year out to hunt public land and we stay in a tent and pack in and, you know, it's a. Where are you, where are you doing that at? Idaho. All right. I just put in, I just put in for uh, New Mexico. Oh yeah. It's, it's incredible elk hunting there. To go try and do it, but I'm, I'm not going to get drawn, but Leo's. Leo Skipjack's back now. You can you can talk to him. We were yeah, having our side yeah. conversation. Skipjack, I was just about to ask you about the custom boat shootout and how it was like with all the big boats down there. But apparently you're big time now too. So, um, you know, if you ever make time for you know average guys like us trying to catch blue once in a blue moon, um, <laughs> how was how was the custom boat yeah, shootout? How was the custom boat shootout? Tell tell how us was, what it was like. How fishing. was everything? It was. How was how were the the big boats there uh they were it was awesome dude i mean and the other cool thing was of the custom boat shootout um 
that I thought was really cool, not speaking of the boats, but all the boat builders that were there, all at the same place at the same time. It was really, really cool, I thought. Um, you know, like John Bayless and Roy Merritt, John Floyd, and all those guys, Spencer. and It was cool seeing all those boat builders in the same place at the same time, all up on a stage together. And they're all giving stories and telling about how they started building boats. It was really cool. John Floyd was down there fishing with yeah, he was. Did he? Yeah, yeah, with with yeah on this on our boat. Yep, he was with us. How was that? Man, he's such a cool guy. <laughs> I mean, he's the man. Very well spoken, just super chill dude. He's built like a brick shit house, dude. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and out of all the boats that was there, like which one do you think is the kind of the most impressive or when it caught your eye? Oh, boy. You better say the special situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a conflict of interest. Conflict of interest. Yeah, there's so many pretty boats down there. It's so hard to tell. <laughs> I mean, they're all custom, beautiful, beautiful boats. Everybody's got their boats in top-notch shape for that tournament. It's so hard to choose one. <laughs> what about the, what about the favorite amongst equals? <laughs> God, you guys are really trying to put me on the spot here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Leo's trying to bait him into getting fired. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, favorite among equals. I like that. I like mean, the Temptress boat's very pretty too. Um. Okay. Okay. Gosh, I don't know, man. They're all they're all beautiful. <laughs> we're safe gonna go answer, with the special situation. Answer. That's what we're gonna go with. <laughs> safe, safe answer. <laughs> no, nah, I mean I get the videos of you all the time, Skipjack. I get the videos of you all the time on Snapchat. Just rolling through like four or five footers. Oh my just god, just unbelievable! Bow down, just fucking chewing it I up. I mean, we're passing everybody in the fleet. I mean, in in terms of good riding boats and a fast boat, dude, this thing puts every boat to shame. I think. I mean, it's unbelievable what this boat does. There's nothing like wow. it. Was wasn't like Tar Heel passing everyone like in Costa Rica and and those Spencer boats passing everyone in Costa Rica? No, they're in Costa Rica. Anybody can because... ride. A lot of boats can ride fast and flat calm. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Dude, when it got a little choppy um, out there on the third day, I mean, it was, <laughs> we never, we never came off the throttle. It was uh, awesome. But, but that's, that's badass, dude. I get, I love getting the Snapchats of you guys running. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that looks so nice. You got to send those to me, Skipchat. I will. Uh, I got my drone here too, dude, but I can't keep up with this thing <laughs> with my drone. Ooh, be careful! I've lost two. Uh, I've, I've luckily had yeah, mine. One of my drones is swimming in the Pacific Ocean, and and the other one is in Mag Bay. So nice. <laughs> moment of silence for the drones. Poor thing. That's a pretty good place for it to be, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's probably you know, down. It's got a resting place. Add to the reef, I guess. I wonder. I wonder how many striped marlins it saw before it fell to the bottom. <laughs> Actually, it saw none. So we were actually on our way to Mag Bay. And when we started fishing the first day that we were looking for the fish, it was slow. And I was just flying the drone, like, as we were trolling. Because it was slow. You know, you could just fly my drone. Who cares? And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, I was getting this shot from back of the boat, from the tr like, from above. And the drone was going down a little bit. And all of a sudden, you know, the screen glitched. And... Uh, you know, everyone took their hat off, put it to their chest, and knew it was like, you know, a moment of silence for the drone. And, uh, yeah. Well, Unfortunately, no striped marlin were filmed. But it is what it is. 
Well, Cody, in all honesty, dude, I'm excited to see you over there in Dominican Republic. Excited to see you over there. Go over there, light tackle, getting them. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. You're I'll running. Be down, I'll be I'll be down there too. Don't you see guys told me to come down. I think Nick's going on a temptress, so I'll definitely see you guys there. You're running that. You're running the boat, if I'm not mistaken, right, Cody? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I think Jimmy's going to come down and fish with us. Hopefully, I want to get in the pit and hit some fish and learn. Nice. From, learn from that man. He's he's got a, He's done it all. So. Well, I'm coming. I'm coming with you a day or two. I'll ride yeah, with you. Cool. We don't have a huge crew, so. I think we'll have room for anglers for sure. Ask Jimmy to serenade you to Sancocho song. Well, it takes about 20 minutes to wash the boat when I get in. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, my my 65 is going to take a lot longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> but. EFNS. All right, fellas, let's, let's wrap this thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's wrap this thing up with the, uh, the highlight of the week since we haven't done it in, like, a couple weeks. Um. Skipjack, we'll start with you because you got some fun shit going on. Uh, yeah, definitely wave paver. I mean, they <laughs> four blues, three whites, and a sail in a day is impressive anywhere you are. Yes, sir. That's what I'm going with. Mine's going to be super simple. Mine's going to be starting with the outnumbered because that was fun for me. Get to change things up a little bit, switch it over, you know, see what's going on, and start something new, so... That's mine. And Leo, what do you got? I'm going to give it to every single person fishing for Blue Marn out of North Carolina, whether it be Moorhead City, Wrightsville, or, and Charleston, South Carolina. Cause, yeah, don't you know, knock that Charleston to, bite. Shout out to, to Showtime. You know, got to show love to Captain John Mead. I think everyone in those areas is just absolutely crushing it right now. So, you know, if, if you're in that area, you better go out and fish because they're biting. Raul's catching them up too. Yeah, I saw that. Cody, what do you got? You got anything fun going uh, on this week? Our area, we're, we're, I'm trying to remember the boat Jason Hallmark's on. They had a real good trip during that uh, that last Louisiana tournament. I think they had a double header bluefin, and I don't remember how many blue marlins or whatever. They, but uh, always looked up to that guy. He's a he's a stone cold killer. He loves it. Still fishes as hard as he did when he was younger. I like that about him. Nice. But uh, yeah, well, you sent me some video. And uh, you're asking me if I knew those guys. It was uh, good friends of mine on there. Rodney Johnson, uh, Ben Arnold were on there. Just gotcha. Fishermen. But uh, yeah, the season's just about to kick off here. We had a lot of bad weather uh, the last couple of weeks. But uh, it's about to kick off. I'm sure I'll see some pretty cool stuff coming out of the Gulf pretty soon. Hell yeah, go out there, catch them up. Good luck to you. Good luck to you guys, and we'll, we'll good see luck, you in Skip DR. Jack. Yeah, we'll see you in DR. Sounds good. Yes, sir. All right. Thank y'all for having. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate it, and we'll catch you next week.